0: The following audio-described tour should be a real treat for everyone, especially since it's not available to listen to anywhere else but right here on ACB Radio and as a part of the 2020 ADP Audio Description Project Virtual Conference. It is the People's House, the White House. It was quite the honor to work on the development of an audio-described tour of the public areas of the White House. This had never been done before, and uh, actually I began working on it during the Clinton administration quite some time ago. It took quite a while, and several presidential administrations to get to the point where we had permissions to do it and could develop it and get it voiced and get it placed on small MP3 players that could be handed out to visitors When they come to the White House, because the tour is self-guided, there is nobody leading you around, there's no, has never been any kind of recording that guides you. So we felt this was really an important need for visitors to the White House who are blind or have low vision. It was all finally put in place during President Obama's second term, let me say that, and um, it was especially wonderful to have it voiced by Eddie Walker one of the foremost radio announcers in the Washington, D.C. area, blind almost from birth. I've been a great fan of Eddie's for um, ever since I was in high school, so that's a good 50 years or something. We lost Eddie, um, oh golly, about six or seven years ago, um, and uh, we updated the tour at one point to uh, add the old family dining room, and I went ahead and voiced it. But um, this is a bit of a a tribute and a memorial, I think, to Eddie Walker. Unfortunately, the tour is not available. It was um, uh, no longer in place during, it's not been in place during the Trump administration. We hope to be able to get it back in place, uh, making the White House accessible uh, as soon as possible. Here you are, ladies and gentlemen, the audio described tour of the White House as voiced by Eddie Walker.
1: Hello, I'm First Lady Michelle Obama, and it is a pleasure to welcome you here to the White House. For more than 200 years, this space has served as a presidential residence and office, a setting for bill signings, state dinners, and so much of our history, and a symbol of America to the rest of the world. But perhaps most importantly, the White House is known as the People's House, And that's why our family has made it a priority to make sure that the White House is open and accessible to all. We've invited young people, Americans with disabilities, our troops and wounded warriors, and their families, and people of all ages to join us here at the White House. And we're so glad that you are here today as well. So as you walk these halls, as you enjoy the history and beauty of these rooms, as you recall all the history that's unfolded here, please make yourself at home, because this is your house too. Thanks again for coming, and enjoy your visit.
2: 1. Welcome and Orientation Welcome to the White House. You are listening to an audio-described tour that may be helpful for visitors who are blind or have impaired vision. Throughout the approximately 30-minute tour, you will hear information about the history and furnishings of the People's House as well as descriptions designed to make visual images more accessible. As you tour the ground floor and state floor of the White House residence and portions of the East Wing, please feel free to ask for assistance. Officers of the United States Secret Service are in each room to respond to your questions and provide historical information about the White House. Keep in mind that occasionally certain areas on this public tour may be unavailable. At those times, an officer will provide assistance. Also, please note that no photography, audio, or video recording is allowed inside the White House. While our tour is limited to the public rooms of the White House residence and certain public areas of the East Wing, ten separate areas, you may be interested to know that the residence, the original White House building, later expanded with the addition of the West and East Wings, encompasses almost 100,000 square feet on six floors. Now, if you're on the left or south side of the hall, please move just past the desk at the entrance to the residence and proceed about twenty feet on a slight diagonal to the right to a ramp that will take you up over several steps. While you continue up the ramp, you may note on your right a portrait of President Woodrow Wilson by S. Seymour Thomas that hangs on the wood panelled wall, followed by a painting of President Andrew Johnson by Eliphalet F. Andrews. On the opposite wall, First Lady Nancy Reagan is featured wearing a red gown and a full-length portrait by Aaron Schickler. A bit further along is a portrait of First Lady Bess Truman by Greta Kempton. At the top of the ramp, please turn to your right and proceed on a slight diagonal to your left. After about ten feet, please turn left. A Secret Service officer's desk is nearby on your right. Number 2. The East Colonnade you are at the east end of the 105-foot-long East Colonnade. Please proceed along this brick walkway as we tell you a bit about this area. The Colonnade is an enclosed walkway which runs almost the length of the East Terrace. On your left, a series of windows provides a view for the topiary trees and a pergola or veranda with a white latticework frame, all a part of the Jacqueline Kennedy Garden or the First Lady's Garden. On your right, at eye level, are a series of six photo montage frames, displaying six photos in each frame. They feature moments from a range of presidencies, including President Jimmy Carter, signing the Camp David Accords in 1978, with Egyptian President Anwar Sadat and Israeli Prime Minister Menachem Begin. In a black-and-white photo, President Calvin Coolidge in his cabinet, posing for photographers outside the East Wing in 1923. President and Mrs. Obama with pop music legend Stevie Wonder, President and Mrs. Nixon's daughter Tricia, at her wedding to Edward Finch Cox in a rose garden ceremony in 1971. Several presidents with presidential pets, including President Lyndon Johnson holding his beagle, both posed in mid-howl, President George W. Bush holding his dog Barney, and a collection of family life images with one photo of President John F. Kennedy clapping as children John Jr. and Caroline dance in the Oval Office. You will pass a door on the right that opens into the White House movie theater, used for feature film screenings and other presentations. At the end of the colonnade, you will encounter a threshold and then the marble surface of a roughly square area that extends to your right. Please walk forward about 25 feet past a door to the garden on your left. 3. East Garden Room Immediately in front of you is the 1908 bust of Abraham Lincoln by sculptor Gutzon Borglum, who later created the four presidential likenesses on Mount Rushmore. About three feet tall, it is mounted on a wooden pedestal painted to look like dark green marble, about five feet tall. Please remember, touching items in the White House is not allowed. The president's face is cradled within a rough-hewn foundation. Lincoln is depicted without the beard he would grow, after winning the 1860 election. When you're ready, step to the right and forward, just a step or two to the wall on your left, that boasts two large frames containing nine photos in each. These show the presidents in the Oval Office and the First Ladies, including President Ronald Reagan, seated outdoors with Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher of Great Britain, First Lady Michelle Obama, with a group of children, all with hula hoops, spinning at their waist, and First Lady Betty Ford, with a young girl from the March of Dimes Foundation reaching out to touch Mrs. Ford's face. On the wall, on the opposite side of the room, from the photos are two low, red-upholstered benches where you may sit below the painted portraits of Presidents Calvin Coolidge by Charles Hopkins and Grover Cleveland by Eastman Johnson. Please take care not to touch these portraits. As you continue several steps to the right, two tall, full-length presidential portraits Frame an exterior door in the wall directly in front of you. Presidents Chester A. Arthur by Daniel Huntington and Millard Fillmore by George P.A. Healy are on the left and right, respectively. Next, please turn to your left into another hallway with a lower ceiling. This is the central corridor on the ground floor of the original White House structure. 4. The Library, Vermeer Room, and China Room. As you enter this hallway, you will pass between two glass display cases, mounted on pedestals which contain important bronze sculptures of the American West. To your right is Coming Through the Rye by Frederick Remington. On a dark base, four horses carry men dressed in cowboy hats, loose vests, and chaps. On the left, as you enter this area, is Meat for Wild Men by Charles M. Russell. This scene features two American Indians on horses one with a bow and arrow poised, the other wielding a spear, both surrounding a tangled cluster of buffalo under attack. Please proceed into the hall along the right side. You will encounter a floor-to-ceiling dark wood break front, displaying items from the White House collection of presidential china and glassware. Highlighted among the collection is a purple-trimmed porcelain plate from President Abraham Lincoln's state dinner service several feet beyond on the right is the library a rope cordons off the doorway and entry is not permitted the library is almost twenty seven by twenty three feet and was the laundry room when the white house was first occupied in eighteen hundred by president john adams and his wife abigail now furnished in the style of the federal period the library contains over twenty seven hundred books relating to american life a gilded wood chandelier with a painted red band dating from around 1800 hangs over a circular mahogany table in the center of the room. On the west wall to the left is a neoclassical wooden mantle from Salem, Massachusetts, which dates from the early 19th century, decorated with grape leaf swags and bellflower pendants. Georgia O'Keeffe's painting, Mountain at Bear Lake Taos, depicts a sacred spot on the Taos Pueblo In New Mexico. Hanging above the fireplace, it was painted with an orange sky, brown mountains, and black lake waters. Portraits of four American Indians by Charles Bird King hang on the east wall and flank a doorway. Each wears around his neck a piece medal that features a profile portrait of President James Monroe. Today, the room is used for meetings and press interviews and has become a favorite for media tapings. On the opposite side of the 15-foot-wide hallway is a life-size portrait of First Lady Laura Bush, painted in 2012 by John Howard Sandon. For the setting of her portrait, First Lady Laura Bush selected the green room as refurbished with her active participation in 2007. Wearing a midnight blue gown, she smiles and rests her left hand on a lyre-back armchair, attributed to the famous New York cabinetmaker duncan fife circa 1810 the 1767 dated martin portrait of benjamin franklin hangs over the neoclassical mantle several feet to the right of the painting of mrs bush is the vermeil room on the left a rope cordons off the doorway and entry is not permitted the vermeil room is about 27 by 23 feet once a billiard room the room takes its name from the large collection of gold-plated silver pieces called Vermeid, in French. The pine paneling in the room was milled from timbers, removed during the 1948 to 1952 renovation of the White House during the Harry S. Truman administration. The panels were originally left in their natural state, but Jacqueline Kennedy had them painted in 1963. They were first painted yellow in 1991 during the George H. W. Bush administration. The green silk drapes framing the windows are of early 19th-century design. The carpet, laid across the wooden floor in the center of the room, is a Turkish haraki. In the center of the room stands a circular mahogany table made by Anthony Curvell. Hanging above it is a cut-glass chandelier with ten arms. Against the south wall is a New York sofa from around 1815. The sofa is flanked by two Boston-made work or sewing tables, in the past few decades, the Vermeer Room has become a display room for a number of fine First Ladies portraits in gilded frames. Portraits of First Ladies who served in the mid-20th century are currently on display here. A multiple-image portrait of Eleanor Roosevelt by Douglas Shandor is inscribed by Mrs. Roosevelt. A trial made pleasant by the painter, Eleanor Roosevelt. Jacqueline Kennedy in a long, slender gown, as painted by Aaron Schickler, hangs between the windows. A portrait of Patricia Nixon by Henriette Wyeth hangs to the left of the east wall. The portrait of Claudia Lady Bird Johnson by Elizabeth Shumatoff portrays her with the Jefferson Memorial, a favorite view in the background. Please turn away from the Vermeer room and move about 16 feet further down the hall to the China room on the left. A rope cordons off the doorway and entry is not permitted. The China Room, measuring about 27 by 20 feet, houses examples from the White House collection of china, glass, and silver tableware, arranged in chronological order from left to right. The room is decorated almost entirely in red and white. In the center of the room is a cut-glass chandelier in the English Regency style. It dates from around 1800 and hangs above a cherry-red circular divan, dating from 1860. On the wall opposite the entrance is a full-length oil painting of First Lady Grace Coolidge, dressed in an ankle-length crimson gown. At the lower left of the portrait, the artist Howard Chandler Christie depicted one of the Coolidge dogs, a white collie named Rob Roy. The presidential china is displayed along four shelves in each of twelve cabinets, including the Reagan's red-trimmed china pattern, surrounding a gold presidential seal at center. The collection of President Rutherford B. Hayes' china was designed with American wildlife scenes. Now, please turn away from the china room and move to your right, and proceed toward the public area of the ground floor corridor. On the opposite side of the hallway is a stairway. Please turn toward the stairway and walk up its 24 marble steps. Handrails are on the left and right, as well as in the center of the steps. A window centered at the top of the steps is framed by red drapes and a gold valance. Made in Philadelphia about 1790, there is a mahogany tall case clock, sometimes known as a grandfather clock, in a corner to the left, just past the cordon which directs you to the right to continue your tour. 5. The East Room At the top of the steps, please turn to your right to enter the East Room, largest room in the White House almost 79 by 37 feet, with a 20-foot-high ceiling. You are now on the north side of the White House, and you will follow the public tour walking along the nearest side of the East Room, toward the south side of the White House. Please try to keep moving as you listen to this recording. Three enormous chandeliers, each weighing 1,200 pounds, with 6,000 pieces of Bohemian-cut glass, hang from the ceiling, which boasts delicate plaster decorations. White and gold predominate in the room. White walls are paneled in wood with classical flat fluted columns called pilasters. The seven tall windows along the north, south, and east sides of the east room are framed by golden draperies, and gold-framed mirrors with glistening eagles at their tops are mounted above the room's four red marble mantles. Three gold pale green and red rectangular carpets cover the wood floor. They are partially rolled up to create a pathway for your visit. Four portraits hang in the East Room, all on the East Wall. At the far left is William McKinley, painted posthumously in 1902 by Harriet Murphy. At the far right is his successor, Theodore Roosevelt, painted from life in the White House in 1903 by John Singer Sargent. At the center left, Martha Washington and her husband at center right. Martha Washington was painted by Eliphalet F. Andrews in 1878 as a companion portrait with the more renowned Gilbert Stewart portrait of her husband. George Washington by Gilbert Stewart was painted in 1797. This painting is one of several replicas painted by the artist of his original 1796 Lansdowne type. This portrait is the only object to have remained in the White House since it opened in 1800. In 1814, during the War of 1812, First Lady Dolly Madison had the frame of the portrait broken open so the painting could be removed to safety before British troops arrived and burned the White House. Gilbert Stuart included a variety of symbols in his work of art. Storm clouds are at the upper left, but a rainbow is shown in the upper right over Washington's left shoulder. The table is on the left, below Washington's outstretched right arm, A leg of the table is ornately carved, similar to a Roman symbol of power. Two books rest on the floor, leaning against the table leg. They are labeled American Revolution and Constitution and Laws of the United States. The latter word, meant to be states, is actually misspelled in the painting. Over time, this room has been the scene of state dinners, receptions, concerts, weddings, funerals, bill signing ceremonies, award presentations and press conferences. First Lady Abigail Adams had her laundry hung out to dry in the unfinished East Room. President Thomas Jefferson partitioned the South End as a bedroom and office for his secretary, Meriwether Lewis, later co-leader of the Lewis and Clark expedition. Abraham Lincoln used the room to house troops early in the Civil War, and here the bodies of Abraham Lincoln, John F. Kennedy, and five other presidents lay in state following their deaths in office. As you reach the south side of the room, you will turn to the right. Please note that often there are two paths as you continue on the public tour from the east to the west. You may choose to continue on the north path, which you will encounter first, or the south path, adjacent to windows looking out on the south lawn of the White House. 6. The Green Room The Green Room is about 28 by 23 feet and features walls covered by emerald Wave patterned silk fabric. Draperies of green and bay silks with coral colored tassel trim frame the room's tall windows, and the coral and gilt ornamental cornices are topped by gilded eagles with outspread wings. A predominantly green rug with gold, cream, and deep crimson patterns stretches across the wooden floor. As a reminder, you are standing on one of two pathways along the north or south side of these rooms. The center of each room is where you will find most of the objects being described. The center area in each room is cordoned off. The furnishings reflect the Federal period and most date from 1800 to 1815. A special note is a tall, silver-plated coffee urn on a broad mahogany table before a sofa. Engraved on the front of the urn is the monogram J.A.A., for its original owners, John and Abigail Adams. A fireplace boasts a white mantle and a golden mantel clock. Mounted on the wall above is Benjamin Franklin, painted by David Martin. In this 1767 portrait, Franklin is shown wearing bifocals, a device he invented. He is portrayed reviewing property deeds. From a dispute he settled for a Scotsman, who commissioned this likeness. Overlooking the scene is a bust of Sir Isaac Newton, mathematician, scientist, and philosopher. The Green Room is known for the artwork on display. Sand Dunes at Sunset, Atlantic City is by Henry Ossawa Tanner, the most distinguished African-American artist of the 19th century and the first to be represented in the White House collection. The Mosquito Net by John Singer Sargent portrays a friend of the artist's reclining on a mound of pillows with a black mosquito net covering her head. Jacob Lawrence was one of the first artists to represent Modernist depictions of African Americans. The Builders, painted in 1947, depicts workers carrying planks and using ladders in a scene dominated by sharp angles and bold movement. Please move along the pathway to continue with our recording. Throughout much of its existence, the green room has served as a parlor for teas and receptions. Planks and using ladders in a scene dominated by sharp angles and bold movement. Please move along the pathway to continue with our recording. Throughout much of its existence, the Green Room has served as a parlor for teas and receptions. Finally, as we leave the Green Room, you'll pass through a doorway on the north side of the room. Mounted above the doorway is James Reed Lambden's portrait of President William Henry Harrison, who served in office only about a month before he died. On the opposite wall hangs Eastman Johnson's portrait of Harrison's grandson, President Benjamin Harrison. They are the only grandfather and grandson who have both served as president. Number seven, the Blue Room. This is an oval-shaped or elliptical room, about 39 by 29 feet, dominated by a blue rug dotted with gold medallions. Its tall windows look out on the south portico and the White House south lawn. Architect James Hoban's 1792 plan for the White House included three stacked oval rooms in the center of the building to form a projecting curve on the south side. The creation of the Oval Office in the West Wing in 1909 was inspired by these Oval Rooms in the Residence. This parlor became known as the Blue Room during the Martin Van Buren administration when blue textiles were introduced to the room. Previously, the upholstery had been red. Now, the draperies and upholstered furniture are all fashioned in a sapphire blue silk. The chandelier is taken down each year to allow room for the installation of a nearly 18-foot tall Christmas tree. The Blue Room is often used by presidents and first ladies to receive dignitaries and formal guests, including leaders of foreign nations. Family events held here include the wedding of Grover Cleveland, the only sitting president to marry in the White House. Visitors to the Blue Room enjoy the space under the watchful gaze of portraits of the first four presidents to live in the White House. John Adams by John Trumbull, Thomas Jefferson by Rembrandt Peel, James Madison by John Vanderlyn and James Monroe by Samuel F. B. Morse. Adams and Jefferson were bitter rivals during part of their careers, but they had renewed their friendship before they both died on the same momentous day, July 4, 1826, the 50th anniversary of the passage of the Declaration of Independence. James Madison was the shortest president, standing 5 feet 4 inches. Finally, along the north side of the room are two white marble busts, resting on columns on either side of a dark wooden door. The first one that you encounter is of Christopher Columbus. The second is of Amerigo Vespucci, for whom the Americas are named. 8. The Red Room. The room with walls hung with a red twill satin fabric is about 28 by 23 feet. A gold scroll design stretches along its top and bottom borders. The seat furniture is upholstered in silk of the same scarlet-red shade as the wall covering, and crafted of richly carved and finished woods. A special note is the unique round table, or guéridon, with a multicolored marble top in an intricate geometric pattern. The chandelier is fashioned from carved and gilded wood. The red cream and sage French rug, copied from an 1815 original, features a center medallion of red fan-shaped leaves with a border of laurel leaf, roses, and medallions, similar to the patterns found in the furniture upholstery. If you entered the Red Room on the north side, you passed beneath the portrait of Rutherford B. Hayes by Daniel Huntington. Hayes was sworn in here in 1877 after a disputed election. An especially prominent painting in the Red Room, hanging over the fireplace mantel on the center of the west wall, is the portrait of Angelica Singleton Van Buren, daughter-in-law and official hostess, for President Martin Van Buren. The mantelpieces in this room and the green room were originally installed in the state dining room in 1819 during the Monroe administration. Please move along the path as we continue the recording. This parlor has been known as the Red Room since 1845, when a suite of furniture posted in crimson plush was introduced to the room and is often used by first ladies to receive guests. Dolly Madison famously conducted Wednesday night socials in this room Eleanor Roosevelt regularly held her own press conferences here. The State Dining Room. 9. The State Dining Room. As you enter the State Dining Room, please turn to your right and move along the length of the room toward the north side of the room. The State Dining Room is almost 49 feet long and 36 feet wide, and its ceiling is 18 feet high. The ivory-white walls are lit by a gilded chandelier. Originally silver plated but electroplated with gold during the John F. Kennedy administration. Centered in the west, above the room's fireplace, is the room's only painting, a portrait of Abraham Lincoln painted by George P. A. Healy. It depicts a seated Lincoln, his right elbow on his knee, his right hand at his chin, while meeting with three of his Civil War military leaders in 1865. The mantle is a 1962 reproduction of the one installed in 1902. The corner blocks are carved with bison heads created at President Theodore Roosevelt's request. The center plaque is incised with the last sentence from a letter President John Adams wrote his wife from the new president's house. Adams arrived in the new Washington City on November 1, 1800, to spend his first night in the new president's house. The next day, he sent a letter to his beloved wife Abigail in Quincy, Massachusetts. It contained his prayer for the house. President Franklin D. Roosevelt was so taken by Adam's words that he asked that Adam's prayer be carved in the stone at the state dining room mantel. The inscription reads, I pray heaven to bestow the best of blessings on this house and all that shall hereafter inhabit it. May none but honest and wise men ever rule under this roof. The existing interior and furnishings date from the sweeping renovations made to the White House during the administration of Theodore Roosevelt in 1902. Draperies in a multicolored floral print frame the windows, echoing a related floral medallion pattern on the cream, red, and beige rug. Using round tables, as many as 140 guests can be seated at dinners and luncheons. When the room is not set for a state dinner, the mahogany dining table, surrounded by Queen Anne-style chairs, occasionally displays some of James Monroe's gilt service. Four Rococo Revival candelabra are occasionally displayed, two on a mantel and two on a north wall side table. They date from 1880 during the Rutherford B. Hayes administration. Three console tables with carved mahogany eagle pedestals stand against the east and north walls and date from the Theodore Roosevelt administration. This room was Thomas Jefferson's cabinet room and office, where he and his secretary, Meriwether Lewis, Plan the Lewis and Clark expedition in 1804. Please turn right at the north end of the State Dining Room and continue to the final section of our tour, the Cross Hall and Entrance Hall. 10. The Cross Hall, Entrance Hall, and Conclusion. This central corridor, the Cross Hall, extends between the East Room and the State Dining Room. It is a broad hallway about 18 feet by 80 feet. Along its length, the passage allows access. To the entrance hall to the north on your left as well as the red blue and green rooms on the south on your right the walls and floors are lit by two cut glass chandeliers made in london around 1775 a collection of upholstered red and gold chairs and sofas line the length of the passageway they are cordoned off by ropes and unavailable for use a crimson carpet rolled up during these public tours is bordered in gold, stretches over the marble floor, inset with light and dark diamond patterns. Presidential portraits in the cross and entrance halls traditionally include paintings of our most recent former presidents. Portraits of Lyndon Johnson, Jimmy Carter, and George H. W. Bush hang on the east end of the cross hall. On the west end, closest to where you exited the state dining room, are two portraits. On the right, John F. Kennedy, painted posthumously, by Aaron Schickler, and on the left, Ronald Reagan by Everett Kinsler. Smiling Reagan is portrayed against two columns of the South Portico, with a Jefferson Memorial in the distance. Kennedy is standing, arms crossed, gaze cast downward. Please move along as we continue our recording. As you proceed, you will pass on your right a niche that shelters a white marble bust of our first president, George Washington. Just past the niche, on your right, is a doorway leading to the Blue Room, flanked by the United States flag and the presidential flag, bearing the coat of arms of the President of the United States. Mounted directly above the doorway is the presidential seal, featuring an eagle with a red, white, and blue breastplate, and a corona of 13 radiating sun rays, ending in cloud puffs, Encircled by 48 stars, of for the 48 states in 1952 when the Truman renovation was completed. You will turn to your left just before the entrance to the Blue Room and move into the entrance hall. On the floor between columns is a stone commemorating White House construction projects. Originally it listed only in the years 1792, the laying of the White House cornerstone, and 1902, the Theodore Roosevelt renovation. It was modified in 1952 during the Truman Renovation, to include that year, and 1817, the reopening of the White House after the 1814 burning during the War of 1812. The dates are in relief and may be touched. To your left is the John Howard Sandin portrait of George W. Bush, portrayed in the Oval Office. To your right is a portrait of Bill Clinton by Simeon Knox, depicting him in the Oval Office. The portrait of President Clinton hangs just behind the usual location of a grand piano, the 300,000th manufactured by Steinway and & Sons and designed especially for the White House. In 1938, gilded scenes of American music and dance appear on the light brown cabinet, a New England barn dance, a cowboy playing his guitar, a Virginia reel, two dancing field hands, and a Native American ceremonial dance. Just past the piano, also to the right, is an opening that leads to the Grand Staircase, the principal staircase connecting the state and second floors. The stairs, in cream and taupe-colored marble, were covered in a crimson stair carpet with a gold border of laurel leaves. A cast-iron railing extends along the staircase past the portrait of President Harry S. Truman, mounted on the wall above the stairs leading to the second floor. Other presidential portraits are also mounted on the stairway wall. Finally. He will proceed toward the door leading to the north portico and its familiar facade of the White House. Widely spaced columns support a triangular-shaped roof in the style of a classical Greek building. A large cylindrical lantern hangs from the ceiling of the portico. Marble steps, covered by a gray matting, lead to an arching drive, which you should follow for about 75 feet to the right, then step up onto a curb to the right and a wide cement walkway and continue as it curves to the left about two hundred feet to the white house gate if you would prefer a ramp leading to the drive is immediately to your right as you exit the white house this concludes our tour of the white house we hope you've enjoyed your visit and the audio described tour if you have any questions please do not hesitate to ask a secret service officer or staff member and if you have any comments about this audio described tour We'd like to hear them. Thank you for visiting the White House. This tour was produced by the American Council of the Blind's Audio Description Project in association with Dominion Post. This is Ed Walker.